Ronnie, as you said, you're watching these guys come through the program, do their thing. Yo, I'm out. The moments when Ronnie sat in his cell, like, God, don't forget me. Did you have those moments? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would have moments of doubt, but I learned how to fight it. Immediately when I have that feeling of doubt or feeling alone, man, I, I, I was ready to prep. I'm going in my closet. I'm like, oh, what's going on? You know, what, what's happening? And every time he'll revive me or give me a word to keep on going. And so doubt will come, discouragement will come, but it won't stay long. That's right. I don't, I don't let it linger there. That's you know, right. All that can't go with you in the presence of God. It, it got to leave when you get when you get to the throne, you know. And so, man, he exists. Come on. That's right. That's what helped me a lot, man. I can remember my case got accepted in the United States Supreme Court, which is a great accomplishment. And an inmate lawyer had did it. He was so happy. I didn't know. I didn't understand the weight of it. Most lawyers want their cases accepted in the United States Supreme Court to be heard. You know, they got thousands of cases that come before them yearly, but they only accept, what well, man, probably about 50, 60 cases out of the thousands. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very small number. And so here it is, my case got accepted. He was like, man, you know, man, you gonna go home, they accepted that. And I never forget the date. And this this is the last court to go through. I never forget to get the day um I got an answer from the United States Supreme Court. I go get the legal mail, open it, and I hurry up and get to the end of the page where it say granted or denied. And it said denied. I'm talking about knock the win out of me. I'm like, man. So this this like solidifies my life sentence. And the natural says that, man, look. You have exhausted all your state remedies. This solidifies that you're going to die in prison. But my immediate reaction, this became a habit to me. My immediate reaction was, man, I got to get in the presence of God. I got to go pray. So I found a place alone and prayed. And man, he reassured me in his presence that I wasn't going to die there in the face of that. And so I just said what I heard. <laughs> and before you know it, I heard what I saw. <laughs> so, so, and so here it is, man. Later in 2012, the United States Supreme Court came back with a ruling in it. Miller versus Alabama, that it was unconstitutional to give a juvenile a mandatory life sentence. Said it violated our Eighth Amendment, which is cruel and unusual punishment and that a juvenile is more than likely than an adult to be rehabilitated because they're not fully developed. They talked, they broke down the parts of the brain, saying the frontal lobe in a juvenile is not fully developed. That's the part of the brain that helps you appreciate risk and consequences. That's why a lot of juveniles do some crazy things. It even talked about how contradictory the law was where you couldn't go to the military at the age of 16 or 17 but you can go to the prison. You couldn't buy cigarettes or alcohol, mm. but you can end up in adult prison. And so after that ruling came down, that made my sentence illegal. And so I filed a um, motion to correct illegal sentence in the courts, it was granted. And so I went to going back and forth the courts okay. to get a, um, another sentence. As you said, the wind got knocked out of you in the first letter. Second mm -hmm. time, you finally got a chance to appeal. But you had an encounter with someone. Yeah. And this mm -hmm. encounter was a major thing. Yeah, we had the first major encounter. God. Right. 
And you yeah. had a major encounter with someone else. And so here it is. Um, I'm going back and forth to court. And this this process had something to do with somebody else filing something in court that affected everybody in the United States. That just came and trickled down to me. Wow. Yeah, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't even my case. It was Miller versus um, Alabama. Right. I'm about to say, his name is not Miller, but all right. Yeah. And so it affected everybody, every juvenile who had a life sentence in the United States. And it was a lot. They had two to three hundred in Angola. What? Yeah. Yeah. And so here it is. Um, But no, this happened in 2012. I don't get home to 2018. That's six years. Because Louisiana didn't want to do what the United States Supreme Court said. So Louisiana came back with a ruling and the Louisiana Supreme Court said that Miller versus Alabama wasn't retroactive, which means that it went from 2012 forward, it didn't go backwards, and which was wrong. I'm talking about they fought us on every end. We thought it was going to be years. A lot of people were saying it's going to be years before somebody else get in the United States Supreme Court again to challenge retroactivity. And so... It wasn't long. It was a couple of months later. Somebody got in there, and the guy Kirk, um case was heard. George Toker concerning retroactivity. Now George Toker, a friend of mine, mind you, he been in prison about 30, 36 years since the age of seventeen for killing his best friend. Who, who his best friend Mama testified that man they were so inseparable. If he said if George would have killed her son, he would have killed himself. There's no way he killed him. And so he been pleading actual innocence because he didn't kill him. He had an innocent project on his case and they never give him no release. But now his case gets to the United States Supreme Court. And so the court system, the district court comes with a deal for him. Say, okay, we gonna give you, we'll drop your charge to manslaughter and give you the mandatory, the maximum on manslaughter, which was 21 years at the time. You get time, credit served, you go home. This the game they play because they know his case was going to affect hundreds in Louisiana, thousands across the United States. And so they know if he take the deal, that withdraws his case from the United States Supreme Court. So imagine the pressure he is under. I never forget it. We talked. He called me in the room. I prayed with him. And he like, man, I don't know what to do because his, his mother was sick. He don't know how long he's going to take and he won't get out there before his mother died. And I told him, I said, man, we called him Chicken George. Um, I said, man, Chicken George, you got to do what's best for you. You know, everybody said what they'll do if they was in that position, but they ain't in that position. He said, but man, what about y'all who, I said, listen, I want you to understand this for me personally. I said, my life ain't in your hands. It's in God's hands. He got me, bro. Whatever you do. And so Chicken George took the deal. He went home and everybody wanted to kill him. He took the deal that withdrew his case. And it's like, man, it ain't gonna be, it's gonna be six to eight years before anybody else get in court. But amazingly, somebody got in court two, three months later and they ruled the retroactivity in 2016. But before that, this encounter you're talking about, I'm going back and forth to court to get re-sentenced. My lawyers are nervous because they come to me, that's some bad news. I said, what's going on? He said, the victim showed up, victim's sister. And so when victim, victim family shows up, man, that rattles the judges and all that. They usually side with the victim. I'm like, wow. And I noticed when I got there on the front row, there was this lady that just kept staring at me. And she looked familiar, but I just, I didn't want to keep staring because I know I looked intimidated already. I got handcuffs and shackles on and 
And so I'm kind of looking out of my peripheral and I see it. She just keeps staring. I'm like, man, where well, I know this lady from. And then when they came with the news about the sister, I said, oh, I know. I said, listen, that's not his sister. That's his mother. Mm. I remembered her from court. And when I begin to ha have a develop a prayer life, man, I prayed for this lady more than I prayed for anybody in my life. I could, I could still see her tears on the, on the stand crying about, you know, what I did to her son. I took her son away from her. And I always had a desire, man, to reconcile, to be able to just have a, a dialogue with her and tell her how sorry I was. That was greater than my desire to go home. That was number one on my list. And so when they come tell me that, I was like, man, look, um, see if I could talk to her. I said, man, I'd like to talk to her. So they went get with the DA. DA talked to her, they come back. He said she didn't want to talk. She said everything she's going to say, she's going to say it on the stand. And it just so happened that they set the court date back to the following month. Praise God. I said, man, that's more time for me to pray. Mm. I prayed mm. for her that, look, I prayed for her that month. Kept praying for her. And so when we get to court, she requests to speak to me. I'm telling you, this, ain't, this is nothing but a miracle from God. This is all God, man. And here it is, man. I get a chance to speak with her. They bring her behind me. The DA sit next to her. And I turn around. And I tell her, man, this, this is the hardest conversation I have ever had in my life. To look this woman in the eyes after killing her son. Did you have thoughts of turning back and saying, nah, you know what? Forget it. Did you have thoughts of like No, that? no. I knew it was it. This was time. I, I thank God. I've been praying for this moment. And I was just ready. I didn't know what I was going to say. Just asking God, look, you just helped me through this. What to say? This was 15 years after the incident? Probably. This is 20, 2016. From 91 to 2016. Yeah, so yeah. We're looking at 20 plus. Yeah. 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 Wow. So I turns around and I tell him, very emotional. Both of us crying while we're talking. And I said, ma'am, I said, I take full responsibility for the death of your son. And when she first sat down there, she was like this. Her hands were folded tight. But when I said that, my hands released and she leaned toward me. I said, ma'am, I don't have any excuses. I'm not going to um, give you that. I said, man, I said, I just ask that you forgive me. I said, a very stupid decision I made, the most silly decision I ever made in my life. I said, I was very young, very impressionable. It shouldn't have happened. Your son didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. I said, I pray that you could find in your heart to forgive me. Her response was, I don't hate you. She said, I forgive you. And I believe you deserve a second chance. Man. Wow. Man, listen. Although I was handcuffed and shackled, man, I felt that come off. It was a freedom I can't explain. I didn't even care what happens through the proceedings of the court after that. <laughs> it was amazing, man. Wow. For her to say, I forgive you. And then she gets on the stand and echoes what she said in private on the record. Tell the judge that. Yep. And Were man, you the can... reaction of other people's faces when she said that? No, I was too zoned out. <laughs> right. It was just me. It was just me and her in the right. program. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see anyone else. Mm -hmm. You know. And um, so they came back 
and um, resentenced me and gave me parole eligibility. So now I'm eligible for parole. Everybody clapping. I was the last case. I remember everybody was leaving out the courtroom and the judge said, my, my Lanice was like the last one going out. And the judge said, Mr. Olivia, you can visit with your family. So I back and for them to come back and they start coming back in the courtroom. Listen, the lady came back and pushed past my family to get to me first. Man. Man. And she told me, man, she said, man, she said, just do me one favor. I said, what, ma'am, anything. She said, just don't pick that gun up no more. I said, ma'am, you never have to worry about that. I said, you never have to worry about that. That's right. The only gun you got, got 66 clips and four, four Man, and look, people's lives. Don't, and it, it don't stop shooting. And it don't oh, stop. Guys, it don't let's run go. Out. Let's go. It don't run out. It don't, you ain't got to reload. It don't run Man. out. Man, Ronnie, she says this, and you got eligibility for parole. Yeah. And take me back when... Now you're going back to yourself again. You just said this woman said words that lifted so much off of you, and then you get another set of words, and now you're going back into yourself, Ronnie Olivia. What's in your mind at this point? And so I'm 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 in a dormitory at this time. There's no cell, and I've been working for the chapel department over over 15 years, and and I have an office. I go back in my office and like, man. Like, man, what this happened? Just meditating on what happened. I'm still crying, just thanking God. I'm like, man, this 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 really about to happen. <laughs> you know, man, I'm about to go home. I'm like, wow, man. And just to just to hear that from she told me so much other things, man. She told me, um, man, so many other things. You can read it in the book, 27 Summers. It got so much in there, so much in detail. I get back, share with friends. A lot of people are happy. And man, I later get a date for parole, go up. Most awesome board. I'm talking about, man, it was crazy. <laughs> it was cra- another miracle because all my lawyers was worried about this one board member who, who had my case. He read everything you have, your transcript, everything several times and take notes. And when he come back, he drills you. Hmm. So they was worried about him and he had my case. And then I had a portfolio about the size of a, a, a phone book with all my accomplishments. He read all through that. He said, Mr. Olivia, I read through your transcript and your portfolio several times. He said, at this time, I have no question. Come on now. I'm talking about, I'm talking about God silence. He asked no questions, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Wow. And then I wound up getting a unanimous decision. I had a lot of family support. No opposition was there. She told me she was going to be there for, for the parole hearing at the um, court, but she didn't come. The victim's mom. Didn't, yeah, but didn't have any um, opposition. In fact, that was my first, that was my last time seeing her. Really? And yeah, I've been home November the 8th, make five years I've been home. So, Ronnie, granted, yeah. walk outside the door to physical freedom now you're spiritually free now physical yeah. freedom as as i've spoken to cats who've been in the clink they said when and when you come out of there the air is different oh, oh it's very different very different so when it's you come out of here, take that deep breath honey what goes through your head man this is a real mom I, I never forget when they called me 
the day that I was going to discharge, you know, I knew the day before. I didn't get any sleep, didn't eat anything. I can remember when I got to the catwalk that's leading to the hospital where they discharge you at in Angola. Man, I took out running. Full speed. <laughs> I took Nobody out running. You. <laughs> took out running. Everybody <laughs> hollered, see, gentlemen. Man, I holler at you later. And when I get to the hospital, I'm out of breath. And I never forget home. Um, I never forget when I when I actually get to the front gate and I'm released out there on my own. My then fiance, who who is my wife now, she was waiting. And man, it was it was awesome, man. I felt like I was dreaming. It didn't feel real. She handed me on um, my watch and the cell phone. I didn't know what to do with the cell phone. <laughs> What's this? Because y'all didn't have that like like that back in the day. That big no, one of them joints no. back right. in the day. There are cell phones in there that's illegal that guys mm-hmm. get. Oh, yeah. But but I never messed with one. And I did it on purpose. You know, I was like, man, I'm gonna do it the right way. I'm not gonna be hiding and trying to when I get my phone, I ain't gonna have to hide. So Ronnie, you come out, you go home. Ronnie, what's the first thing you do when you get man. into the city? What's the first thing you do? Man, when I <laughs> one of the things I was really hungry. My my um, fiance had reservations for that night um, at a restaurant. So I said, because I was hungry, I hadn't eat eaten in a whole day and something. Mm-hmm. And so I said, she said, what you want the snack on? We were passing the McDonald's. I said, we're going, let's go to McDonald's. I got a Big Mac. Uh, <laughs> First thing I got. But one of the things I really wanted to do, I hadn't done in years, was to take a bath, man. I was so sick of taking showers. Uh, Just to sit in a tub, man. Tub. That was like, man, that was like amazing there. So here it is, um, I'm home. I come straight home to a job, working for the town of Sam's Port, um, I knew the mayor. The mayor was the chaplain um, when I went on a missionary journey. Really? So he he ended up being a mayor all the time. He ended up speaking on my behalf at the parole hearing. <laughs> the old mayor. Wow. Yeah. He gave me a job, a place to stay. Oh, man. It was amazing. I had a company truck, the company phone. It's crazy. i never forget. I think it was my first, first or second day on the job. I'm riding with a um a co-worker and we go pull up by the police station. Part of our job, we gotta service the police call. And mm-hmm. so it was like we gotta go ahead and take the car to the shop and service them all change and things like that, rotate the top tires. Yeah. So, okay. So the chief of police come out and he throw me the keys to the police car. <laughs> Oh man! I'm like, man, what what's going on here? So he going to trunk, and he's showing me spare tire to check that and all that. But I see all these guns in the trunk, so I'm on parole. And I'm like, I can't be around no guns. <laughs> so, so he like, you got to take the car, and and he gonna take the other one. I'm like, man, I get in the police car. And I- <laughs> Oh, I'm scared to death because they right. got guns. I'm like, man, if I get pulled over, then I thought, I'm in a police car. Who gonna pull me over? <laughs> <laughs> I went to looking for the. That's I need to pull somebody else. I need oh, to pull somebody else. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you ain't had no uniform since you. Well, I mean, you could be undercover, but still, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. you could be undercover. So yeah. yeah, yeah. But I took it there, but man, that was that was very strange. Yeah. 
to go That's for it. And, and <laughs> yeah, God, and God got a sense of humor. He right. brought me from the back of the police car to the front of the police. Like, let me go Come and on, test man. my son here. Let me see how he gonna handle this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But well, so anyway, no, man, um, we, 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 we passing up that you found somebody while while you've yeah. there. Oh, we gonna we gonna we gonna, we gonna go too deep in that one, but that's all good. Oh, man. oh it's it is in the book. The great. Oh, I know. I, I, I can't read. wait to get it. I can't wait to get it because I gotta read about that one. Man, beautiful, bro. Man, God really, really blessed me. Ronnie, now here it is. You're out. Mm. And what is Ronnie Olivier doing now? Probably about. A year or two of working in that job, um, I get a call from the former, the former warden of Angola, um, Burl Kane, who had now he's retired and he was working his nonprofit organization. I was working with him too with that, but he called me because he had became the the commissioner over the Department of Corrections in Mississippi. So he's over all the prisons in Mississippi, and he's trying to change this system and things. And so he's looking for chaplains. <laughs> and he and he calls me to be the director of chaplaincy at Mississippi State Penitentiary. Insane. This this don't happen. <laughs> this is an impossible situation. And so I take the job, move my family to Mississippi. It was insane. I was responsible for hiring all the chapters in Mississippi prisons. You know, I hire them and they're come to um, Mississippi State Penitentiary, I'll train them and send them to other um, prisons. I'm assigned state vehicles, <laughs> state laptops, state phone, and not mind you, I'm still on parole. And so I go check in with my parole officer in Mississippi because I got a transfer. I pull up in a state vehicle with the same emblem he got on here. <laughs> it's right next to his car. <laughs> Look, we got the same type of ID around our neck for the state and man, it just was insane, man. Oh my God. <laughs> that God would turn it around like that. Man, I'm talking about completely restored me. You know, I never forget, um, I had to go to the gym, open the, open the gym to go get something out the gym. And they gave me the little skeleton keys. And I'm looking at these keys. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I'm holding this key. And I can hear God's voice, man, so clearly saying, man, you now holding what used to hold you. Come on, man. Don't tell me what dog God can't do. And so um, I stayed there about two and a half years. Now I'm, now I'm in Baton Rouge. Um, me and my wife, we bought a home. My first time buying a, buying a home. I work for the Louisiana Parole Project. We help guys make a transition from prison to home. Actually, I went through this program when I came home, you know, and so now I'm full circle back and, and helping guys. We do wraparound services. We house guys for about a month that go to our reentry program. We can house the, at least about 31 guys. We have females too that come out of prison. They go through classes. These are people who've been in years, over 20 years. We help them with tech classes, um, social norms and things like that and just help them get reintegrated into society. You know, everything is different. And so we, we that are helping, we help them to get jobs, help them get a great start. This organization, nonprofit organization started in 2016. And we have had at least, we about close to 600 clients we have helped. Wow. And we have a less than 2% recidivism rate. So if somebody come through our program, more than likely they'll never go to prison again. That's what that relates. Ronnie Olivier, why do you keep your towel? 
and I keep it because um I'm on a winning team. <laughs> no matter how it look, no matter the circumstances, man, I know, man, with God, man, all things are possible. I know that if he be for me, <laughs> who gonna be against me? Who who can be in the ring with me? I might get knocked down, but I don't get knocked out. Get yeah. back up, keep swinging. And man, I'm on a winning team, man. That's right. I never throw in the towel. Before we leave this ring, and there's any last words that you have, my guy, the ring is yours. Well, I just encourage people to get 27 Summers. You'll see in the book, 27 Summers, I have a lot of detail and, and I'm very transparent, just sharing my life story and, and what I went through, man. My goal in that book is to fill hope buckets, you know, that if God can restore me and do what he's doing in my life, he can do it with anybody, you know, no matter where you at, no matter how low you are, no matter if you hit the canvas, <laughs> you the one he looking for just encourage people man man to trust god with all their heart man he, he never failed me man he never failed me never left me I always was there and i always came up on top this here um what i'm talking about is a fixed fight <laughs> the fight fixed <laughs> we already won who wouldn't want to get in the ring with tough fixed fight <laughs> you know that's already won it's already won Well, folks, there you have it. You just heard it from this incredible man. And Ronnie, congratulations. You survived Boogie Jim. You have made it through this incredible sparring session. And y'all, y'all got to go check out 27 Summers. The book is out now. And I got mine on order. And I had to, I got to actually wait. It's all good. But Ronnie, I'm hoping one day I get a chance to meet you. I want yes, to get sign man but yeah y'all go ahead and check him out he's on so many other shows so once again ladies and gentlemen thanks a lot for rocking with me and as always wipe the blood wipe the sweat wipe the tears but whatever you do don't throw in your towel we'll see you on the next one y'all we out of here peace <laughs>